And we are coming to the end of our journey in 1 John. This week and next week, we'll conclude the series we've been in basically all year. I'll be doing some short series to Thanksgiving and then Christmas. And then I will actually start a brand new book in January. I've narrowed it to two, but I'm looking at some Old Testament options for a little while in the new year, 2022. It's almost hard to believe. I look around and I see the Christmas stuff in the stores, and it seems weird, but um, you know, time marches on. So we're here, we're talking about Blessed Assurance, and the reason for that title of this series really came from the verse we look at today. The verse we look at today is the hinge point around which the entire book rotates. John is telling us today, this is why I've written, and I'm gonna throw a lot of blanks at you. Now, the first service... Uh, they struggled with this the first time, but the second time they did it much better. So let's see how you guys do. No blanks, and then we'll throw the blanks up. And I want to see how you do with these words that I'm going to kind of get quiet and let you fill them in. But let's say this pivotal verse together, 1 John 5, 13. You ready? Join me. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now look at it carefully, because the first service was kind of waffling a little bit here. Look at it carefully. Ready you believe in the name of the Son of God? You may know you hate our life. We continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Are you ready? Let's do it. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son. Y'all are better. Okay, I'm just going to tell you right now. Y'all are smarter. Don't tell them. They'll get mad at me. No, that was better, but I bet you can do even better than that. Let's say it again. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now think about that verse. That's why John wrote. He wants you to know that you know that you know that you have eternal life, that you know the Son of God. You know, if you've been here long at all, you know that I love music and that I have a very eclectic taste. If you saw my phone and what's all on there, my playlist, I mean, <laughs> from gospel to Guns N' Roses, man, I'm all over the map. I got a lot of stuff. And for my birthday, yes, it's my birthday this month, October the 7th. You didn't miss it. We celebrate all month long. Thank you. So October 7th, Miss Cindy bought me uh, a tickets from my bucket list. We're going to go see Billy Joel in concert. I love Billy Joel, the piano man. I, I messed with the piano, not like Billy Joel, but I mean, incredible, incredible artist. Still needs Jesus, by the way, so maybe they'll let me backstage to share. <laughs> right. But we did get tickets to go see Billy Joel. I'm excited about that concert in the spring, and um, I love different types of music. One of the shows we used to enjoy a lot, it kind of got weird over the years, but we liked American Idol in its early days. I've told you that before. One of my favorite artists to ever come out of American Idol was a young lady who had a really rough upbringing, and she grew up about 20 minutes from where I grew up. And she became a tremendous star. She was featured on Broadway. She broke a record that no other artist up to that point had ever broken. I'm going to share that with you at the end today. But uh, how many of you know the name Fantasia? 
Anybody know the name Fantasia? Okay, some of y'all do. If you don't, check her out. Very interesting voice, sort of a gruff uh, quality. Grew up singing in church, in fact. And she would go on to win American Idol season three, many years ago. And out of all the years we watched American Idol, that might have been the most inspiring finale to me. And again, I'll tell you a little more about it at the end. But Fantasia had a, uh, Fantasia Barino had a rough life, roller coaster life. Her story says that she attended uh, Andrews High School in High Point, North Carolina, not far from where I lived. She uh, felt embarrassed and harassed after she was raped by a classmate in high school. Then she dropped out of school. And Fantasia found herself pregnant at the age of 16. So she would be a very young, unwed mother. Over the years, Fantasia would, uh, her walk with the Lord would, would get stronger and, and then it would wane a little, as many of us. But about five years ago, six years ago, she really determined that she was going to be more serious about her faith and use her artistry to let her faith shine through. And so uh, there was an article in 2016 that said she wanted to go a different path and praise God in her profession. She was doing a New Year's Eve party. She said, it feels good to be in the house of the Lord bringing in 2016. Many of you know I've prayed and prayed and worshiped myself through 15, and now I've got to turn it up more for 16. And the audience cheered. She continued to show her love for God through her performances and through social media. She would often post prayers, and still does, and post Bible verses and share reflections. And in one of the posts, she shared a prayer that really caught my attention, and it said this, Dear God, if today I lose my hope, please remind me that your plans are better than my dreams. That's a pretty good word. I'll come back to that. But Fantasia is a believer. And her first big hit went by the title, I Believe. I Believe. And I want you to leave today, or I want you to cut this broadcast off wherever you are later, now or later, watching or listening. And I want you to leave believing that no matter what has happened or what will happen, God wants you to have confidence and assurance in your relationship with him. He wants you to enjoy eternal and abundant life, not one day there, but right here and right now. It is a present possession for us. He wants you to believe, and by believing, you will have life in his Son and our Savior, Jesus. These four little verses are life-changing, eternity-changing. There's so much to be said for these four little verses. So with that, stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. Let's look at 1 John 5. I'll pick up verse 10 and we'll go to 13. Then next week we're going to finish out this journey. Verse 10. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he's not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Now watch this, guys. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's pretty black and white right there. And these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am so very grateful that you inspired John, the apostle, in his old age, full of wisdom. He had seen a lot. You inspired him to write these words of assurance, 
these words of comfort, that when we know the Son, we have life. When we don't know the Son, we don't have life. And I'm just praying today that you're going to speak to every heart. I know some, Lord, need to trust you for the first time today. Some in the room, some watching. Some need to trust you for the first time in a long time. But I pray that we would make a declaration of belief and that by believing, we would be changed for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys, and be seated. So as the Spirit of God teaches us through the Word of God today, let me make three primary declarations, okay? Now, we sang, we believe. We believe in God the Father. We believe. Now, we use the plural pronoun, we. But in these declarations, I need you to understand what I believe and what the Bible is saying you must believe because Christianity is not received en masse. You understand what I'm saying? You can't sit in church with a bunch of Christians long enough to become a Christian. You can't sit in your garage long enough to become an automobile. You can't just be in a certain place and become something different. You must believe. Well, I'm going to make a declaration, then I'm going to ask, can I get a witness? Y'all know what that means, right? You either agree or don't. You either say, yes, I believe that, or I don't. And so I want you to be able to give this testimony. But the first thing I see from the Word of God here that is imperative, right? It's, it's not just important. It's imperative. It's crucial. you got to have it. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Can I get a witness? Anybody else? Huh? Thank the Lord. About 25 of y'all. Well, thank God for that. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I know a lot of y'all do. So what does it mean to be a witness or a testifier? Well, think about the message from last week. The water was a testifier. That was the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan, right? The blood was a testifier. That was a picture on the cross. And without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness for our sin. And the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit is a testifier. He worked through the prophets of old to give us the Word of God and tell us Jesus is coming and then to tell us Jesus is here. And so those three witnesses, according to last week's message, work together as one. And when I testify, when I'm martus about Jesus being the Son of God, by extension, I'm also saying Jesus is God the Son. In EE, Evangelism Explosion, we used to train people that way. Remember, Jesus is the Son of God, but that means he's also God the Son. When you see Jesus, you see God. God with skin on. God in the flesh. God incarnate. That's what it means. I believe in the person of Jesus. I believe that he is fully God and fully man. And if you're going to believe the one true and living God, you've got to believe the message that comes from him. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Specifically, you could translate it, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the message of Christ. And this is the message, that Jesus is the Son of God, that God regenerates and grants the gift of saving faith, eternal life. Jesus himself said, I tell you the truth, a time is coming and now has come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. John 5. And in John 5, what Jesus is acknowledging is just what Paul says in Ephesians 2, that when we're in our sin, we're dead. Before Jesus, we're just dead. We're dead men walking. We're dead in trespasses and sins, but when we believe, God makes us alive in Christ. Reminds me of a verse from the Charles Wesley hymn from 1739. 
Oh, for a thousand tongues to see. Listen, he speaks, and listening to his voice, new life the dead receive. The mournful broken hearts rejoice, the humble poor believe. You see, you were dead, but when you believe, God makes you alive. And we don't need to be afraid of what's coming next. We don't have to worry. We don't have to wonder whatever the prevailing cultural climate or political atmosphere may be. God will regenerate sinners when they call upon the name of the Lord. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God when we believe in his name. No matter what you have done or what you will do, if you will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, God will take your sin and cast it as far as east is from west. He will bury it in the sea of forgetfulness. Some of you don't think you're good enough to be a Christian. Newsflash, Bubba, you'll never be good enough to be a Christian. But Jesus is good enough, and I believe that he is the Son of God. And you can believe today. It's not about how good you are, but how good God is. It's about what he has done. And what does it mean in verse 10 when it says, He who does not believe God has made him a liar. I don't want to make God a liar. Think about it. God says, trust Christ and I'll save you. God says, Jesus is the only way to be with me. And if you, in turn, say, I don't really think I need Christ to be saved, then you're calling God a liar. If you're saying, I don't really think there's an afterlife, I don't really think there's more to come, then you're calling God a liar. If you're out there saying, but I'm waiting on some kind of feeling or some kind of experience, you're calling God a liar. He's not talking about getting an experience. He's talking about actively, volitionally believing in Christ. I wrote it like this. It's not our subjective experience with God that saves us, but our actual belief in Jesus. But I know we like to make excuses, right? I'll decide later. Just give me more time. Y'all have heard me say, if I went to Cindy and got on one knee there at Crimdell Bridge on the beautiful campus of William and Mary, and I got down and I opened that little box, and I said, will you marry me? And she said, I'll let you know later. Man, I would have been rejected. I would have walked away, and I would have, I'm sure I would have wept like a baby. I would have probably grabbed her around the ankles and said, please. <laughs> I'll decide later, man. That's No. Now listen, I don't want anybody to take this wrong. We got some wonderful car guys in the church and ladies. We got a lot of owners of dealerships and wonderful, wonderful people. My uncle's been in the car business for decades and decades. But one thing I've learned about a lot of car guys, not all of them, a lot of them, is they don't want you to leave the lot. I'll tell you this, in Northeast Florida, they were particularly aggressive. And some of the guys, once you got there, especially if you started talking numbers, they wanted you to sign. Well, let me go back one more time. Have you ever played that game? Let me go back and see my manager or whatever. Who is that in the back room? Is that the wizard behind the curtain? Who's back there? I don't understand all that process, but I do know this. They don't want you to leave. Now, Uncle Terry told me, why do they not want you to leave? Because they know chances are if you leave, you may not come back, right? And so they want to get your yes on the table. Just sign off on this. Just give me your signature. Just say yes, because they know chances are slim if you walk away. Why might you say no to the salesman? Well, you need to do more research, right? That's legit. You want to see if there's a better option. You want to see if you can get a better deal. You want to know if the stuff they told you about this particular vehicle is accurate. 
The list could go on and on. There are some legitimate reasons to walk away. But let me ask you this. Why would you not want to accept Jesus Christ if the word of God is clear that he is the only way to have a relationship with God and be with him not only today but forever in eternity? What are you looking for? Do you need to do more research? Well, how much do you have to learn? Do you want to see if there's a better option? There's not. You want to get a better deal? You can't. It's free. You want, to, you want to see if what God's telling you is accurate? I mean, literally, if you walk away, you're saying, God, I don't trust you. I'm going to try this on my own. And here's the thing, folks. Most people that continuously reject the gospel continue to walk away right into eternity away from God. And the reality is this. Most of you already know enough to give your life to Jesus. Most of you know that Jesus Christ is the spotless Son of God, tempted like we're tempted, but one that would never sin. Most of you know he died on the cross to take your place. Most of you know he was buried in a borrowed tomb, but by the power of God raised to new life the third day. Most of you know that he ascended back to God and that he sits at his right hand. Most of you know in your brain the facts of the gospel. But I'm asking you to trust the person of Jesus Christ. You understand 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. Paul summed it up this way. He took the whole gospel and he said, For I delivered to you that which I first received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried and raised again the third day according to the Scriptures. And then Paul went on to say, And he was seen by over 500 eyewitnesses. And Paul said, I'm testifying to this fact. Most of you know that. But what have you done with the knowledge you have? I believe Jesus is who the Bible says he is. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he's God the son. I believe he's the hope and savior for all who will receive him by faith. I believe Jesus is the son of God. Can I get a witness to that? What about number two? I believe God has given me eternal life through his son. Can anybody else say that? I believe. Okay, so you believe God has given you eternal life through his son, 11 and 12. And this is the testimony, that God has given us eternal life. See, I'm not making this stuff up. How do we get that? The life is in his son. Okay, if I have the son, I have life. If I don't have the son, I don't have life. How do you know that? Verse 12, he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. You said, oh, I want to know if I could just know that I know that I know that I have eternal life. Do you have the son? Yes. Then you have life. What else are you waiting for? What else are you wanting? The consequences of believing or denying this truth could hardly be more far-reaching. John is not merely concerned with academic uh, disagreements or theological discussion. Eternal destinies are at stake. Eternal life is something that God has already given to those who believe. Now listen to this. I didn't say this in the first service, although I should have. Eternal death is the present possession of those who don't believe. Everybody know John 3.16. For God so loved the word he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Right? And then he goes on in 17. To talk about believing and if you believe and you're not condemned. But then he goes on in 18 to say this very important thing. But he who does not believe is condemned 
already. See, if I don't believe in Christ, then I'm already on a path directly away from God. If I've rejected the truth of the gospel, I'm already walking away from God. But when I walk to God through Christ, watch this, eternal life is the present possession of every genuine Christian believer. I put the word genuine in there because I didn't want to just say everybody that says they're a Christian. Everybody that says they're a Christian is not a Christian. Can you believe this? Some people fake it. Can you believe that? Somebody stopped me in the hall and said, it was a miracle. And I said, what? And they said, nobody with Ole Miss got cramps yesterday. I said, you're right, it was a miracle. They were healed, right? After everybody made fun of Kiffin and the gang, you can keep making fun of them in Jesus' name. Listen, the reality is there are fakers. But for every genuine Christian believer, eternal life is yours right now. He that has the Son has life. It didn't say he that belongs to the church has life. Uh Uh-oh, listen to that. But you might say I'm a Baptist or I'm a Methodist or I'm a Presbyterian or I'm a Catholic or I belong to the church of God. Listen, the label of the church or denomination you belong to is inconsequential in relation to eternity. Did you hear that? So whether it says Baptist, and the reason I'm telling you that is a lot of our new members this year aren't necessarily coming out of Baptist tradition. Now, we're going to be Baptistic, but you don't have to be Baptist to be saved. In fact, I think that'd be kind of boring, to be honest with you. I like to dance. (laughs) I'm just going to tell you. You do have to love fried chicken. That's a requisite. I'm sorry, but that's, no, I'm kidding. Listen, the reality is it is not your church identity or your denominational identity that saves you. It is are you in Christ and is Christ in you? What does it mean to be saved? The Son gives life. When I have the Son, I have life. If I don't have the Son, I don't have life. Which is it? Now, I don't mean you're never going to doubt. This is where I would vehemently disagree with Brother Bailey. Bailey Smith will tell you, if you have ever doubted, you cannot be saved. Wrong. Bad theology. David himself, a man after God's own heart, doubted God. He said, oh God, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and renew a right spirit with me. It's not about never doubting. There'll be days of doubt. There may be seasons of doubt. But all in all in all, do you really trust Jesus Christ? you got to be honest with the Lord today. The Lord already knows your heart. But I can promise you, he wants you to nail this down. To be saved means you've trusted him. J. Vernon McGee said it like this, Jesus is your life lifeboat. He's your lifeline. He's your only hope. You're lost without him. But if you have Jesus, you have life. And so many people say, I want to believe. I want to believe. Well, in whom do you believe? Not just what do you believe. I'm not asking if you have enough facts. Do you believe God? Do you believe in the record he gave you? Are are there still going to be things you don't understand in the word of God? Absolutely. I've read it 23 years in a row. I'm coming to the end of my 23rd reading, and I read study Bibles and notes and commentaries and 10 years of seminary, and all it reminds me of is how utterly stupid I am and dependent upon God. Now, I learned a little more this year than last year, and I'm a little closer now than I was, but the reality is I can study a lifetime, and I'm just scratching the surface, man. After all, this is God-breathed. Do I want a God so little that my puny mind can figure it all out? I don't want that kind of God. I want a big God. 
And, G- and John didn't say, if you feel like it or if you've joined something, you have life. He said, if you believe, you have life. Let me ask you all a question. By show of hands, I want everybody to participate. How many of you believe in the historical figure, George Washington? Real quick. First. Okay, beautiful. I hope so. Okay. How many of you, let's go back way, way, way further, way further, way further. How many of you have studied history and you believe in a fellow, a ruler, uh, about 350 years before the time of Christ named Alexander the Great? Alexander the Great, your hand should be up. Okay, good. There he is. He's in a mosaic. No Polaroids in the day, okay? No iPhones. Long time ago, over 2,350 years ago. Here we go. It's about, uh, yeah, 2,350 years. So, um... Alexander the Great, right? Uh, in fact, look at the bust. There's a statue. Now, I don't actually think this dude, other than the hair, go back, looks much like that dude, but I, I mean, what are you going to get, right? You got this artist, that artist. So you do the little mosaic tile. Been all over the world, been to a lot of sites of antiquity, and that's what you see. Of the historical figures, you see the mosaics or the bust, you see the statues and such, but they're sort of general looking now at this point. How many of you believe, uh, let's do another one, how many of you believe in the Roman politician in general born 100 years before Christ named Julius Caesar? Caesar, Caesar, all for Caesar. Okay, good, thank you. Uh, There's Caesar in a statue. Yeah, that's kind of a common image. Did y'all know Caesar had a very famous mistress? Did you know who that was? Look. Elizabeth Taylor. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. It's Cleopatra. You've heard of Cleopatra, right? Cleopatra was one of Caesar's many mistresses. It's not mistry, is it? Mistresses, yeah. It's one of his many mistresses. Now, that's, of course, played by Elizabeth Taylor, but you probably believe in Cleopatra. You've heard of Cleopatra. You've heard songs about Cleopatra. And so you believe in Alexander the Great and Julius Caesar and Cleopatra. Why do you believe in them? Well, because history's written about them. There are statues of them. There are mosaics of them. There, There are multiple sources of them. Oh, okay, so you believe in those, huh? Okay, good. Well, yeah, but Bobby, come on, let's be honest. Their lives are well documented. I mean, I know we don't have photographs, but with all the art and all the history, well, let me remind you of something today, please. This is for the skeptic. This is for the doubter. Listen very carefully to me. There are more statues and more pictures, mosaics, etc., stained glass, etc., more written about one person than all of those ancient historical figures put together. In fact, you could take every single major figure throughout all of time from thousands upon thousands of years ago right on up and you could lump them together and you would not have as much historical evidence in literature or art or archaeology or any other category as you have about God the man, the Son of God and God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's more evidence to Christ than all of these cats put together. But you go, well, I believe, I believe, I believe. What about Jesus? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if there was a real Jesus. Listen, what's the difference? What am I asking you to believe? I'm not just asking you to believe there was a man named Jesus that lived around the Galilee and that ministered and traveled and ended up in Jerusalem and died there. I'm not just asking you to believe that. I'm asking you to believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is and who multiple pieces of ancient uh, literature say he is, even outside of the Bible, pointing to the veracity of Christ. I'm asking you to believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world, and that includes you. You see, what I'm asking you, you believe in Alexander, but the only great one is Jesus Christ. I'm asking you to believe in a different 
way. You, you have no trouble believing your professors and your teachers and the people of the world that have written all these things about others, but you can take that and it makes just a little tiny pile of evidence compared to the enormity of historical evidence that is overwhelming for the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe God has given me eternal life through his Son. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. The third thing, I believe God wants me to have assurance of my salvation. Can I get a witness to that? Amen? Do you believe God wants you to have assurance for your salvation today? You believe that? Okay, four of y'all now. It's going down. Yes, I believe God wants me to have assurance. Why would he want me to have assurance? Well, how can I testify about something I don't believe in? We had recorded an episode of Shark Tank last night, uh, and we watched it last night. We were trying to get Lucy to go to sleep, and we were watching it. And one of the sharks said, I can't invest in this. Simple reason. I don't believe in it. In other words, I wouldn't use it myself. I don't particularly care for it, so I'm not going to invest in it. The reason that God wants you to have assurance of salvation is you're going to be a mighty sorry witness if you have no assurance. You're going to have a very hard time sharing the truth of Christ in word and deed with others if you don't really know that you know that you know. Verse 13, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now, the last half of the verse may not be in your Bible. Okay, remember what I told you about text families last week? It just comes out of a different text family. doesn't change the meaning at all if the last half is not in there. In the New King James, the King James, the majority text, it says, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. There are other verses of Scripture that talk about continuance in the faith. But I want you to memorize this verse. Because at the very outset of this book, 1 John 1, 4, the apostle said, these things we write that your joy may be full. I'm writing you to have full joy. How can I have full joy? Because I know that I know that I know. There's a joy in our family having everybody together right now. Having everybody, ha being able to enjoy the kids and grandkids and grandbaby and to have a joy of what God's doing at Grace and what God's doing at Grace Christian Academy and what God's doing through our Grace Go Missions arm and what God's doing in our groups and our student ministry. There's a joy in that. But there is that joy may ebb and flow in time. The family may not always be together here. They may move away. I hope they don't, but they may. We may not always have what we have, but the reason we can have a joy beyond circumstance here is because when I know Christ, I know that this world is just, just a, dude, we're just scratching the surface. Assurance of salvation is so important, it calls the whole letter. But what does he mean by saying, these things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God? What, what's so important? Well, you've got to think like a Jewish person. Think like a Hebraic thought here. The name for the Jew was everything. The name for the Jew was everything. Moses, drawn from water. Hannah, grace. Yeshua, the Lord, is salvation. When I believe the name of the Son of God, when I believe Jesus, I believe the Lord is salvation. I believe that God is who he says he is and he does what he says he does. And so in 1 John 3, 23, 
we say this is the commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Son of Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us command. So we believe and we love, and this same writer, this same writer wrote John 20. Look at this. You remember old Doubting Thomas? Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And you know what? Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciple. John said, I didn't even write them all down, but notice what he does here. But these things I've written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that, believing, you may have life in his name. So John said, I'm writing this gospel that you would believe that Jesus is who he says he is. So John's gospel says, unbeliever, Believe. John's letter, 1 John, says, Believer, continue to believe. Have assurance of salvation. 1 John says, I want you to know that you know that you know. Look, I wrote it like this. Our security in Christ is not about our feelings. It's about our faith. It's not about our situation. It's about our Savior. Your situation may get better or worse. I almost used the Jeremy Camp song, I Still Believe. Y'all remember that? It's almost 20 years old now, from 02. But in the bridge, he says, The only place I can go is into your arms, where I throw to you my feeble prayers. In brokenness, I can see that this was your will for me and help me to know you're near. I still believe in your faithfulness. I still believe in your truth. I still believe in your holy word. And even when I don't see, I still believe. That's a great lyric, but that's talking about making it through the storm. John is actually saying you can make it through all of life because you can know that you know. He said, I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know, not perceive, but know, the Greek word oida, to have settled an absolute knowledge. I know that I know that I know, like the old preacher would say over and over, that you have eternal life and no one can take it from me because no one can take me from God. Look at what Jesus would say in John 10. I'll give them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all, and no one's able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Think about it. By faith, you're placed in the hand of Jesus, and then the Father has his hand on you, and then according to Ephesians 1, you're sealed, guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have kept you. And in the very face of death itself, with Lazarus in the tomb four days, Jesus declared to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes will live, and even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me, ultimately, Jesus says, will never die. But then what does he say? Martha, 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 do you believe this? And that's how we come to the conclusion of this. Do you believe this? I've told you I believe. I've told you what I believe. I've told you in whom I believe. I believe, I absolutely wholeheartedly believe Jesus is the Son of God. Anybody else believe that? Amen. I believe God has given me eternal life through his Son. Anybody else believe that? Amen. I believe God wants me to have assurance of my salvation. Anybody at all believe that? Amen. Her first single, 
I believe, topped the Billboard Hot 100, debuting at number one. Listen to this. Making Fantasia the first artist in history to achieve that on her very first single. She was the first artist ever to come out of the gate on the Billboard Hot 100 with a number one song. It was written for her, as they always used to do, her original song that debuted on the finale of American Idol. Part of the lyrics, I love this song. It's a powerful song, but then when I look at it as a Christian, I have to tweak a little bit. She said, see, I strive to be the very best, shine my light for all to see, because anything is possible when you believe. And she talks about seeing the stars in the sky. Dreamt 100,000 dreams before, but now I finally realize she's standing on the stage. She's one. She's a, a fresh millionaire. She's got a recording contract. The sparklers are going up. The gospel choir singing. And she says, I've waited all my life for this moment to arrive. And finally, I believe. But what she's saying is, I believe in myself. The belief in myself and working hard has come to full fruition. Shine my light for all to see. And there's nothing wrong with that in a secular perspective. But Fantasia was saying, look in, look in, look in, look in, find the belief. And what I'm telling you and what I believe the Word of God would tell you is look up, look up, look up, and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and nothing will be impossible. And maybe you've waited all your life for this moment to arrive, but finally I want you to be able to say, I believe. Stand with me this morning. I want everybody here to be able to make the declaration. I believe. I believe who Jesus is. I believe what Jesus has done. I believe he is the only way. You keep looking internally. If Jesus isn't there, you're looking into an empty shell. But when the Lord indwells your life, things begin to change. You look beyond yourself. You look for his glory. And I'm telling you, folks, it'll change everything about you. Some of you may need to trust him today for the very first time. Pastors and counselors are available to you. Miss Cindy and I would love to talk to you right down here. We'll put you with someone that can help you. Some of you need to come and, and you need to lay something before the Lord because you need to trust God for the first time in a long time. Some of you may be thinking, you know, I'm saved. I'm good with God. But I know somebody that needs to hear this. Well, why don't you be the vessel to share it? Either you can share the sermon today, you can share the message, or you can just share it in your own words. You can just share it in a conversation or a letter or a phone call or whatever it looks like. Why don't you be the instrument God uses? And maybe you want to come and leave that before the Lord and say, God, I need to pray about how I'm going to do that, but this person needs to hear this. I know they don't believe, but I know you love them, and I know you died for them, and I want to be a conduit through which your blessings flow to them. Maybe you can come and pray for that. I know there are many other needs in this congregation. I know there are a lot of people going through a lot of things. And wherever you are today, I want you to know that God wants to meet you right there. And God wants to take that little tiny mustard seed of faith, and he wants to grow it into something great. So make your declaration. When I pray, Jeff sings and leads us. Let's make our declaration. Heavenly Father, I love you. I'm not ashamed to stand and say, I believe. Lord, I can't even say that unless you had first given me the gift of faith. I didn't just work it up on my own. I wasn't smart enough, certainly wasn't good enough. I didn't do enough good and righteous things. 
But Lord, you tell us in John 6, that no one comes unless you, the Father, draw them. And you drew me. You drew me years ago. And so I gave my life to Christ in salvation. But you continue to draw me in sanctification, growing in the faith. I know there are some folks that need to spend a few minutes with you here today before they leave. Laying some things out before you. I just know there are some folks that need to take care of some business today. Maybe some need to make the declaration for the first time. Others for the first time in a long time. If we walk away and say, I won't give an answer yet. Well, Lord, I know what that is and you know what that is. That's a no. That's a rejection. And I don't want anybody to reject you, Father. To reject your perfect offer of eternal and abundant life. He who has the Son has life. So move us now in these final minutes, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.